the fuck thought it was a good idea to start a podcast in a global pandemic? In Ella, are recording. Now I'm sweating from my armpit too. Sweat around a bit too. Yeah, obviously I know that's like the most normal place to sweat, but my hands are like flooded. Like, oh, well, you expect yeah. some sweat to like spray off onto the cameras? Then I was like trying to cool them down, but yeah, that's better. We have two little things that we just need to make you guys aware of. One being that, unfortunately, for the foreseeable, Millie will not be joining us on these podcasts at the moment because she is dealing with a few personal things she just needs a little bit of time out bit of bit of her time and secondly this episode does contain some information that may be seen as a trigger warning to you we are talking mental health eating disorders (laughs) hello amy hello hello jodie hello welcome to the podcast jodie how you feeling apart from sweating from your armpits sweating from everywhere um I've just realized that my accent is gonna stick out like a sore thumb isn't it yeah probably I don't remember you having such a strong accent I I probably didn't at the time though right Jodie when we have guests on even though you're only our second guest I'm talking as if we have had like a million on we like to get them to do a good the the bad and the ugly of stuff that's happened in their week okay let me think see I thought mine would all be Ryan returning to school yeah yeah you said that actually but I now have an ear infection in both ears so that's kind of ugly yeah uh, both ears oh, don't even go there don't uh, even go there ear pods in and I don't I know. know why it's funny I'm so sorry <laughs> brutal <gasps> My good is that he has returned to school. He's not loving it, but he's also not refusing to go and crying. So, he's and over what about it. your good? I thought my good was that Ryan went back to school. Oh yeah, what about your bad? <laughs> I've got such an awful period yet again. We do love that's, a period that's talk. That's a, yeah, we do love a period talk. You know, I've got period issues. I think every time we film a podcast, someone is on their period. Well, I mean, there's only four weeks in a month. And, you know, there's genuinely three, normally, three hosts. So you're bound to get three out of the four. So, yeah, probably. Yeah, that's true, true. I didn't even think about that. Maths. Well done, Bridgemary. That that's the first time you've ever been right about maths on the podcast, though. <laughs> Thank you very much. I didn't even need a fucking calculator, and if I did, I've got a new phone, and I don't know how to get to it. So, <laughs> to start off um, by basically saying how we know you. Oh, I'll <laughs> let you go first, Amy, because yours is probably shorter. Yeah, mine's shorter. It's literally from school. What, like ten? Ten years? No, we left school like ten years ago, hun. That makes me because I was literally just about to say ten years ago. No, I am twenty six. But um, we must have been what fourteen? Yeah, because I moved when I was fifteen. So yeah, fourteen. How incredibly immaculate your mum's Christmas tree was. (laughs) (laughs) Me and Jodie actually hated each other when we met. 
do you know what? I think most best friends genuinely will hate, not genuinely, generally will hate each other before they become pals. Yeah. I couldn't stand her. But we'd never spoken. We just didn't like each other. Yeah. We were then, then girls. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we were inseparable and naughty at school oh, together. We got excluded together and it wasn't even our fault. So then <laughs> our mums literally rang each other and was like, well, Abby's told me this. What's Jodie told you? Oh, Jodie's told me the exact same. And them two haven't had a chance to speak since they got home. So it must be the truth. So then we were... We were rewarded. <laughs> I was allowed to sleep over at Jodie's because we were in the inclusion <gasps> centre. We had kebab. Then on the way to school, we got fish and chips, didn't we? Oh, yeah, because we started later. We got fish and chips. When you're in inclusion, you know, those little cubby holes that they used to bum you in. You didn't start until, God, 11, 11. 12? Yeah. So, yeah, so we, we had chip butter on the way to school. What the hell? I wonder why I was in there so much after that. Huh? What year were you in? Well, it was before you guessed. Yeah, so year eight, year nine. But yeah, so we hated each other to begin with, but now she is the godmother to my child, and I love her dearly. Um, I would just like to know how many times you got excluded, Abby. Oh. Ask, ask, when we do the mum episode, ask my mum, because I'm sure that's going to be the the exposed bit. Do you know why I got excluded? Why? Because I had fucking red hair. Oh, I got excluded for having a tongue piercing. Yeah, because the only reason they got me back into school, because I refused to dye it, because it was like four weeks before the summer holidays, and I had red hair all year. And even um, like Agar and everyone were like, why are they excluded? Oh, Connor Agar. I went to a uh, matron, want a paper towel college. Oh, and I fucking hate her. She- I loved her. She said, "Look, I won't tell you off for all your ear piercings if you just dye your hair." And I was like, <laughs> "No." Of <laughs> you at school is your fringe. Oh, Amy, you can't oh. even talk. Yours was that just was, as bad. I, no, my fringe was fucking awful. <laughs> we so, all had them though. Mine was like long and brushed. Jody, yours was cut in. I remember it like <laughs> the day. Do you know what I mean? But I, it's you... even worse because then she got a pixie cut but kept the fringe. So she looked like a leatherhead hair. I looked like, mm, I looked like summer. It wasn't, listen, it wasn't my best time. Although I don't regret the fringe. I loved that fringe. Oh, I, love I had jet black hair. I had blonde under my fringe. Don't know who I thought I was, but I loved it. Abby, I literally just looked at you and you went like this. <laughs> what you were doing I don't know. your neck disappeared you don't... I don't have a neck oh fuck off you do doesn't don't you think her face is getting slimmer I do oh hang on Colt's asking me for a cheesy chip wrap oh, what a cheesy chip wrap yeah what <laughs> makes sense like Dave has a steak and ale pudding is it a pudding like a sort oh what the steam ones it's oh. not a pie it's like weird do you call like them a pasty? No, no, it's not. Let, hold on, let me just call them quick because I can't be asked to go downstairs. A pastry? I don't know. Coming on the podcast. You don't know it yet. What's your phone? I know you. Hello? Hi. Um, What is it? What? Like, sorry, you're on the podcast, by the way. What 
you know when you say that you from the chip shop you get a pie what pie is it that you get oh a pocket pie you all about the steak and kidney puddings steak and kidney puddings what makes it a pudding and not a pie dave what make yeah what makes it a pudding and not a pie because the pies are hard the puddings are soft is it like probably need cooking a bit longer (laughs) jokey just said it probably needs cooking a bit longer Boiled. They're boiled. So yes, they're like steamed. That's what I said. It's like a suet pudding. Yeah, that's it. Suet. That's the word. Suet. <laughs> okay. Uh, that that's all I wanted to know because I couldn't think of what it was. Right. On a scale of one to ten, um, how much do you like these pies? Uh, yeah, good. Uh, that's not a number, Dave. Yeah, seven, eight. Seven eight, okay. But what other toppings can you? What other filling is there? Like a chicken? What fillings can you get in these pies? That's it. Steak and kidney. Is that it? I think so. And where do we get a pie like this? From a chippy. Or oh, they sell them in supermarkets. Uh, I've never seen them before. You can get them in a the supermarket. It really irks me that he calls it a supermarket. And I don't know why. It's just the shop. That's literally what I just called it. Yep. I didn't hear you say that, to be fair. Yeah, I'd call it the shop. We're going to the one stop. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, babe, thank you very much. Love you. Or the supermarkets are available. You used to actually live next to the two-stop shop? Who did? Your mum did, next to the two-stop shop. Two-stop shop? Yeah, that's what it was called, the two-stop shop. Rather than the one-stop, it was the two-stop shop. Oh, what, like these fake shops that aren't called Morrison's, they're called, like, Mori Daughters or something. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Um, I don't even know what's happening. What is this podcast about? Supermarkets? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Right. Back to the podcast, yeah? Yeah. Again. Isn't she just professional? I mean, it's one word for it. What's that? I felt like she literally looked into our, both our souls then. We yeah, can see both of you. <laughs> you. But we can't see your eyes because we just see the screen. So just... <laughs> <laughs> I actually nearly broke my glasses, ripping them off my face then. Amy, would you like to explain why we felt it was a good idea to have Jodie on today's podcast? Not really, no, because I feel like I probably won't do it justice. Okay, Jodie, (laughs) do you know why we got you on today's podcast? Is it because I... No, Abby, no. Not really. Go on, you you let us know. So today we've brought you on this podcast, Jodie, because both myself and Amy have suffered in the past, but we've never suffered to the extreme that we've needed extra help if is that right Amy would you agree yeah so obviously I know you very well we speak on daily and I know that you've had struggles with your mental health in the past as well as eating disorders so rather than going off mine and Amy's bats and researching it and then just coming on and talking about mental health and eating disorders we thought it'd be better to get an inside view and then we can learn from you 
because for me I know that I I can educate myself better from personal experiences rather than reading information on the web same yeah <laughs> everything that's going around at the moment like i.e Meghan Markle and the royal family and everything like that you know she's saying she reached out for help they were really struggling feel like now is a good time to talk about these things yeah definitely that it is okay to talk about these things like I'm a very open person and I feel like if I have any issues that at, at present I can seek help yeah some people can't and I feel like we should just talk about it definitely needs normalizing doesn't it find seeking help it needs normalizing and yeah. like mental health needs normalizing because everyone in their life at some point unfortunately because it is a horrible thing will suffer with their mental health no definitely everyone in in their life and I think it the main problem is is you hear this quite a lot if someone's broken their arm you know everyone's there because you can see it you can see they've hurt themselves and oh do you need help with that you know whereas for me I really struggle to do things like food shopping on my own, you know, and I'll stand at the end of an aisle until it's empty. But no one goes, do you want me to scrub you that milk? You know, and it needs, obviously not that I want someone to stand and do that because I'd probably just cry. But it needs to be a thing of, it is real. People aren't going crazy. It is okay for someone to be like, do you know what, not today. Today's not my day and not feel guilty about it. Yeah, that's it's exactly that, and I've never I've never actually heard that analogy before. So I've never heard spoken in the way that like showing physical pain, people are there to help you, but with your mental health, people tend to shy away from it. Yeah, and I am a hundred percent guilty of it because obviously I know that you've suffered with this for as long as I've known you, but yeah. I still not I still don't know everything about it. But then that's where education comes into it because people feel like they'll say or do the wrong thing. If someone's broken their arm, you know, get well soon, mate. Like, oh, cheers, thank you. Whereas if someone's suffering from being mentally unwell for a a long duration of time, a short duration of time, you can't just tell them to get better. That's yeah. It just it doesn't work, does it? Like, and that's the worst thing as well. Hang in there. It will get better. It can only go up from here. That's like stuff you don't need to hear. Yeah, yeah, but it is what you will hear yeah. all the time. It's so cliche, and, and that's not to say people don't appreciate it. You know, and I would like to point out, I'm not professional. Like, I can only go on my experiences and, you know, how I deal with things and what I've dealt with. And what you've learned through dealing with them. Yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, I was medicated from, God, 13, 12, 13. And what was that for? That was for depression. Yeah. And that's, you know, and it, it almost, from memory, wasn't a challenge. It was sort of, here you go. And I was referred to CAMS and all, all them things. But it was never, oh, let's try this route first. It was very much. So in your opinion, there's like this massive thing going on where Dr Alex George has just been assigned the role as like mental health ambassador so in your opinion do you feel like you were failed in a way because you were just medicated straight away and there was no solution to the problem at that point or no no destination to try and get to the solution of the problem yes and no because I think 
at that age it is too young to be you know they change everything they change the impact and on the other side I do have to take responsibility for the fact that I was referred to CAMS you know they reached out they wanted me to do I I app I talked yeah there was loads of different you know things to go on at home and do on the laptop but I thought I knew best I thought I don't need this I want to be like every other person that age and I went and I dealt with it in the wrong way you know I you know I drank too much at such a young age and I used to remember actually meeting you from school oh, yeah and you'd always be late and her drink for the morning and it doesn't sound like a lot now like drinking a bottle of WKD but her drink for the morning as a 14 year old would be a, bo- a big bottle of WKD yeah wow or wine yeah because that's and what it... your mum would have in yeah see I like from a young age I had like my demons I had my troubles and it's only like in the last five or six years that I felt okay to talk about it but because I was so young I had therapy from the age of six wow. yeah so obviously there was the option to medicate when you're that age it really isn't much of an option like obviously I don't know what it's like now actually having said that but back then like what we're talking like 20 years ago it that what it wasn't it was she needs to talk to someone like it will get better that's what my mum used to hit all the time it will get better it will get better and I really really struggled I just had the a demon like my mum says I was like the girl with the curl have you heard that poem like there was a girl with a, a curl when she was good she was very very good but when she was bad she was an arsehole no not arsehole that's an expected term that's what my mum used to say like I was all sweet and innocent and then something would happen and that was it I'd be an arsehole they thought I had bipolar disorder because I would have like blackout but I guess blackout like because I wouldn't remember where I'd have like in my line of work we'd call it a challenging behavior where I would have a real challenging behavior I'd be an, uh, an arsehole I'd be horrible and then the next thing I know like my mum's upset and I don't know what I've done wrong and then I was really remorseful so they thought I had loads of all these different issues but thankfully for me talking to someone was what I needed and it turns out that I needed it for 10 years and if you know something was to happen now would you feel comfortable to be like do you know what I know yeah I would benefit from that I feel like now though it's ingrained in me the things that I have to do like my therapist her name was Paula she was lovely she like I remember her coming around obviously you don't do any of that stuff now but I was so young and back then there it was kind of new I guess and she came around and my mum had this little fireplace and she was teaching me breathing techniques and she's like when you're sad imagine a square like the fireplace and you breathe in for this one and then out for this one and so you go around and you keep doing it until you feel calm so I do that so I'll just do it in like a square I'll find something square on the wall and I'll just like along the side breathe in across out down in and I'll keep doing that and psychologists then, actually call that learnt behaviour don't they yeah yeah <laughs> And then she um, she said, and obviously we don't know 100% what's bugging you, um, so let's just name it. And Monsters, Inc. had just come out and Randall was the baddie in Monsters, Inc. So whatever it was that was bugging me, we named Randall. And that was that was the ongoing joke between my family now. Like, oh. I love that, though. Mood, Randall. I like that. 
but that's what made it good like that's what made us able to talk about these things like yeah long time and I'll never forget my sister said to me I must have been about 15 it was her 13th birthday and I remember her looking me dead in the eye going you fucking ruined my birthday I hate you and I didn't know what was wrong with me like I honestly didn't know what was wrong I wouldn't talk to anyone I'd only talk to my gramps but now like I can talk about things and I feel oh and like I'm really fortunate that I've never had to be medicated but I would be open to it should I need it yeah that's an avenue that I'm happy to go down but I know for me that talking about it and talking in general like obviously I like like a chat I wouldn't have a podcast otherwise but oh. in general really I think helps it just gets a weight off your shoulder when people are ringing like to have a rant I need to get it off my chest it's the same yeah. like talk for I'm me the complete it's opposite though so like I've had I'm gonna do it again the bouts or spouts whatever it is of depression in my life but I've never had to be medicated for it I was close to being medicated for it after Faye and I suffered with postnatal depression but I never spoke to anyone about it until my mum was literally like obviously she notices everything my mum's on the ball and she was literally like you need to tell your health is because if you don't I will so it wasn't until that point that I actually started owning up to actually, like, how I was feeling. And that was only, what, like, four years ago? But that's good, though. And it shows that you felt like you could be normal around other people and be and feel your feelings. I say that all the time. Like, I think yeah. people should feel their feelings. But there's one thing for me that I guess for a long time I had, like, this, I suppose you'd say, like, naivety, if that's even the right word about people being medicated and I think this is why it's so important that mental health is a topic or a subject that is taught about is taught about is taught in schools and spoken about all the time because for a long time when my sister sorry Lauren when my sister first went on antidepressants a part of me was literally like fucking sort it out so if I didn't I I went through more than you you don't need them bearing in mind like she'd lost her dad I hadn't I had both parents but part of sounds awful maybe I'm gonna cut it out but no no, because it's real because I was the exact same so I would always say to my mum no I don't need to go on antidepressants because I'm not crazy now I don't think people that are depressed are crazy but in my head I was like no I'd be so ashamed if I'd gone on medication and that stuck in my head for no reason other than I didn't have the proper knowledge on mental health I flipped it around now like I would never be ashamed to have to be on medication for anything so I think I've acknowledged something that is wrong with me I've tried all avenues this is what's going to work for me I'll try it if it works it works if it doesn't it doesn't I'll try something else I've never ever be ashamed of that yeah oh my god I've literally just forgot what I was about to say I've written it down <laughs> oh how did I start that sentence fuck brain fuck. never be ashamed of that medication then one sec it's coming <laughs> I've lost it oh my god on the flip side though you know some people do try medication and it doesn't work for them because I was the opposite see I've always been medicated on and off um and I was very much against counseling I didn't want to do it oh she's sorry bless you thank you literally I was waving my arms around because I was like I know I've remembered I just wanted to say that like obviously I would take them should I need them like you know you know yourself when there's something wrong and although I've just said that back then I was like what the fuck you don't need that but 
you do know, especially as you get older, you do know when there's something wrong and you do know when you need help. I flip it now and I'm I always say like I am so incredibly lucky that I don't have to rely on a medication to help me at the moment for anything. Like my mum, bless her heart, is just on so many just to survive throughout the day. And that's not mental health, that's physical health as well. So I literally count my lucky stars that I wake up every day and I'm touch wood. I'm healthy. And yeah. at the moment, especially, I'm healthy in my like mind, body and my soul. So I just wanted to say like, if feel like you need to flip it then say it a different way word it differently that's all I want to say but it's the same with Faye because if I don't like she has to have a seizure why can't I say that mm. her seizure medication to get through the day and if she doesn't have that she's more likely to have a seizure when, having said that Abby like she she needs that to survive the same with like some people need antidepressants some people need yeah. things to survive like it's like I, I say that yeah on the flip, flip side I'm really lucky to not have to take them but if I needed them to survive I would You'd take them and then yeah. I, I would be just as thankful for having them to take to make me feel better do you know what I mean just as mm-hmm. my cross right like I'm not coming across like narcissist no, yeah I know what you mean no no yeah but there are quite a few people who take this medication and I know someone who takes it but it doesn't make them feel better. It just blocks, they don't feel anything. So it just blocks everything out. So they don't feel anything. So it's literally, literally there's like, either I to- don't take this and I can't function because this depression is so debilitating or I do take it and I just don't have any feelings anyway. Yeah. That's yeah, what- I mean, it doesn't heal things, you know, and I think that's the, a big misconception. It doesn't make everything better. Like, I take anxiety medication. That doesn't mean I'm, I'm no longer anxious and I don't suffer. It just means it takes the edge off a bit. It makes my day a little bit easier to function sometimes and to compartmentalise things and just to focus. So, going back to this all started at around 12, 13, actually, you actually acknowledging it. Why did you not want to go down the counselling route? Obviously, you said that it was because you wanted to just be normal. And I do say that in quotations marks because there is no normal in this world. Mm-hmm. But you say that you just wanted to be normal and fit in with everyone else. Now, talking from experience from knowing you then, there was a lot of girls in our school who suffered the same as you did. Probably yeah. not to the same extent or maybe more. Or But there was a lot of girls in our school who obviously needed the help as well now I can't speak for them I don't know if they took the help but why what what stopped you I think and do you know what this is something I've never thought of I think in my mind worse things had happened you know and I felt like but I've got through that yeah and I've dealt with that when now that I'm older now that I have done therapy I know that the reason I'm like that at 12 13 14 is because of them things yeah. I didn't deal with them I wasn't okay from them you know I'd, I'd push them away and push them to the side and focus on other things and they just crept back in as things will do if you don't deal with them I was a teenager and I was more worried about what everyone else thought of me and not what I thought of myself so yeah. things like that it's not cool I remember being like 14 
no, I must have been 16 because my therapist had left me. She was retiring, like they'd given me a new one. And this woman didn't know me from Adam. And it really threw me, like it really threw me off everything. And I had to go, instead of going to the War Memorial where I could take myself off to, I had to go to somewhere in Fairham. And I couldn't get myself to Fairham. Like I had this weird fear of buses. Couldn't get myself to Fairham. So my mum had to take me. And then it was like taking part of my independence way. And I was like, oh, do I have to go? And then I stopped going. I ju- it just wasn't me. She didn't know me. She didn't know anything. Like I had better things to do. Like I was a teenager. I had my friends to hang about. Yeah. I really needed to talk to someone. And then she sent me a letter saying, well, I've missed like X amount of, point- of appointments. So obviously... I don't need therapy anymore or something along those lines and that was it and then surely that's such a warning like she's missing them why is she missing them and then I had a mental breakdown like I had a full-on breakdown and that's when my sister said you ruined my birthday it's see the thing is it's when I look back at school and it it is going like obviously I know we keep on going back to school but when I look back at school that's where that's the the yeah that is where most of it starts because it's so it's such an impressionable age and like everyone around you is happy they've all got their boyfriends they've got their friends they're all going out and you do have to again and I do say this in quotation marks have to be normal otherwise you don't get accepted yeah a hundred percent so do you like I suppose the question to both of you is do you both feel like that was why you kind of repressed like the help that you were getting no maybe to an extent but I think for me I wanted to be the strong one I wanted to be the strong friend you know I wanted to be the friend whose house was the safe place and who you could go to if you had a problem and I would fix it for you and I didn't want to be the person who had to be fixed yeah you know, and rely on others and I don't know I, I didn't want to be the weak one and I feel like by admitting to some of my problems it, it made me weak but at the same time I think within our friendship group I was so I was weird and I kind of owned that and I was okay with being a bit weird so going back 10 years before mental health was the it was like a stigma, wasn't it? Is that the right word? Mm-hmm. Still is a bit of a stigma. To be fair. Well, yeah, yeah, it still is, but it's more spoken about now and more acknowledged now. Yeah. But that, but ten years ago, I had no no clue what anxiety was. Didn't really understand depression. Didn't know like half of like bipolar, the body dysmorphia. I didn't know any of these. There was anorexia and there was depression, and that was. Do you know what I mean? That was about it. Yeah. So going back then if you if you were feeling these feelings it's hard to be the weak one because you don't know what's different you Ooh, don't yeah. know if you're different to anyone else can I just say as well back then anorexia wasn't really a bad thing and I know that's a bit of a it was beautiful uh, it was on tumblr everyone wanted to be the yeah. thinnest everyone wanted that thigh gap everyone wanted to be in the shower where you know it you caught you get the wet collarbones yeah, yeah. like that it wasn't a it, it was beautiful well, like you said it was a beautiful thing back then do you know that those models only eat a cube of cheese every time they feel hungry look how beautiful they are i want to have bodies like them and then you have like these 
agencies you're a size eight you're too fat like you joking like that's where that's where all that stigma came from and you're right it was all over tumblr it was almost normal to have that and that's why I'm actually shocked as as I've gotten older there's so many more people I know that have suffered with some type of eating disorder or some type of disorder that evolves around evolves revolves 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 around food yeah sorry that that really (laughs) yeah definitely and I'll admit like you know myself my mom and my sister we are we're slim that's just how our bodies are and when someone points that out oh god are you saying oh there's nothing to you you know in your mind if there's already something there it adds to it and you think oh am I still that thin have I I could be thinner though and then you know and it sort of becomes a a need and you sort of crave it a bit I don't know about everyone obviously but for me I was scared to not be the oh god there's nothing to it you know because your comfort your your depression and your anxiety started that young but your um addiction to food management started that young as well didn't it well it started a lot younger yeah um but I didn't realize yeah what it was you know we all just thought I was a bit of a fussy eater or but no it's my problem with food I I can remember. remember. So me and Jodie's mum had such, like we have such an amazing relation, amazing relationship. And I used to go. Jodie would be upstairs, and I'd be upstairs for her. And I used to go downstairs for a fag in the conservatory. And I'd end up speaking to your mum for like forty-five minutes, and she'd come down and be like, "Well, where the fuck you gone?" But I can remember going in there, and um, it'd be after school or something, and Julie would turn around to me and be like, "Oh, I found another bag of food of Jodie's under the bed." And I can remember I used to lie for Jodie and be like, oh, no, that was mine. I left it here last week. It fell out my lunchbox because I didn't want her to get in trouble. Because, like, although I didn't understand it, I knew that if her mum had gone on at her more, it would have got worse. So all of of us did. We used to lie about it, didn't we? All we used to, like, eat your dinner for you. Um, So we, like, as a friend back then, I enabled it because I thought that was what she needed. But like the other day, like you apologised about it. And the thing is, is I feel like I I need to apologise for putting you guys in that situation. But when we were that young, we didn't understand. I mean, I lived every day like that, but I didn't understand it. Yeah. And, you know, with my mum, this is nothing against her. You know, we've never spoken about it. It's never been a conversation. She's always wanted to ignore it, though, hasn't she? She yeah, I am meant to be on this pedestal. You know, I'm the strong kid. I'm the one that nothing gets to. And actually, I'm damaged as hell. You know? And I remember when we were moving. Um, can't remember who was there. There's a picture of us in my old bedroom, in my room, my mum was packing. So in my wardrobe, it's not just like an open door, it was a walk-in wardrobe. And I used to put food in there and I used so my mum was packing the wardrobe, so she was in it. And there were so many places to hide things. It was great for me at that time. And I remember just feeling empty because she pulled out this sort of like sandwich bag and it had like brown. I couldn't tell you what was originally in it, but it wasn't that anymore. 
and I just remember thinking oh my god she's seen it everyone in the room had seen it no one said a word no we didn't and and I thought what what's going to happen right now nothing nothing happened yeah spoken about it yeah she didn't even mention that one to me either and obviously she knows we saw that yeah because we were all sitting on your bed going through your old pictures taking everything off the walls yeah so I suppose in a way that like your mum didn't help in the sense that she also enabled it because she didn't she didn't find she found it weird but she didn't tell you that she found it weird yeah but I guess she didn't understand why did I do that yeah as an adult now we've still never had that conversation but I'm very much to the point well I can't do that because I can't do that with food or well no I wouldn't eat that because that's touching that yeah but we sort of have an understanding that I'm not okay with food you know why when it's never been a conversation and I think moving forward for us as a generation when we have children and they grow up everything will be so much more open definitely because they're going to be taught about it they'll be more knowledgeable at how feelings like this are okay but sometimes you will need help with it yeah but that conversation needs to start at home I had a conversation with my sister today so we're both calorie counting and I like I want to lose it's not it's not necessarily I want to lose weight I say that I want to lose weight because that's the easiest thing to say but for me it's more for health reasons like I want to be healthy again I want to be fit again like I want to live a good long healthy life that these are what I want to do I'm not like oh my god I'm gonna I'm not like I'm gonna be really skinny and or I'm not interested I just want to be healthy and I was talking to my sister about it today because she's doing the same and like she's two pound I think she's two pound off of losing a stone and she's like not long had a baby like Harriet's nine months old so like it's important to her that she starts to feel more herself yeah and um, we were talking about it and we both use the same app for calorie counting I said oh like how are you getting on and she was like um I don't do it on a Friday anymore. I don't calorie count on a Friday and I don't calorie count on a Saturday. I will do it for the rest of the week. But she said, I don't do it on those two days because I don't want to restrict myself. And I know I know when it'll get too much for me. So yeah. if I stick, she's like, I'm, I'll strict, I'm strict throughout the week. But then on a Friday and a Saturday, I'm not. I'll do whatever I want. And I was thinking about it and I was like, oh, actually, yeah, that's it. If you yeah, know that's not a good that, idea. I mean, she's nearly mm-hmm. slowed down. So it's obviously working well for her. Like she takes her out on a walk every day. Excuse me. But it's that she's got that mindset like, okay, she knows when her limit is her limit. Does that does that make sense? Like, yeah. Yeah. And I good. think it's so important yeah. as well because if you become fixated on like that number, why haven't I lost that much? Why haven't I and you give yourself that, it's only gonna make it harder for you. Mm-hmm. And, you have to take it as it comes I've done so much research about it um so I was quite interested in like learning more about nutrition and stuff purely for like health reasons nothing and just curiosity like I just I'm just interested in learning about something like that and I did I did loads of research about it and people like like I know loads of people that have lost loads of weight by calorie count but they're eating like 1200 calories a day or anywhere from 900 calories to 1200 calories a day which isn't sustainable for life they're starving themselves and then they're wondering why when they eat a normal amount they start putting on weight because their bodies aren't used to it yeah 
and all I've got to say is to anybody who is considering calorie counting, work it out on a TDEE cal- calculator and then eat all of your calories that you're allowed. Eat all of them. Because if you don't eat them, you will starve. <laughs> eat, please. Do you find, obviously, Joe, you've mentioned that you suffer with an eating disorder. Do you find conversations like this triggering for yourself? Because there are some people that I've spoken to about it who can't. I didn't even think about that. Sorry. Oh my god. No, no, you're fine. Um, it's, I'm only asking because I'm trying about it every to think. Day. Yeah, I think it depends. Maybe if because I can go through great stages and really ugly stages even now. Um, so maybe, but at at this point, I'm very. I don't know if the word comfortable is right, but I'm very comfortable in the fact that I've got issues, but they're mine and I'm easy to talk to about them. I'm very oversharing of them because I want them to be an easy conversation to have. Other people also have issues and they're not issues. You know what I mean? Yeah. So hard to know what word, isn't it? And you're that's worth- also fine <laughs> i'm like everyone's got their own fucking shit like see <laughs> so you're writing it perfect yeah i never i always worried that someone will pussy put around a conversation with me i'll walk on eggshells and i think it's a normal thing to do because i guess you know if someone passes away in someone's family and you sort of do that don't you yeah. You always, oh, you know, you never know what to say. And I guess it's a little bit like that because you want to talk to this person. You still want to know how they're doing. But, you know, what if you say the wrong What's thing? too much. Yeah. Hard as well if you are, like, really overbearing and oversharing. Like, my sister's dad passed away and she makes dead dad jokes all the time. But that's, like, honestly, she does. But that's what... some people are so different so yeah in that perspective like I can appreciate that it can be hard for for some people and yeah that's probably why it's such a taboo subject because you're always going to get people that you'll be talking to and you won't say anything that you mean in in a malicious way in any way shape or form but they'll interpret it that way and instantly there's like barriers up we can't talk about this anymore. I think it comes down to the person's fragility as well with their um, diagnosis or whether they have been diagnosed yet as well. So some people, like for you, Jade, you're completely comfortable about talking. That you're open to us asking any questions that we have and you'll, you'll answer them if you can. But say if it's someone who's just started on their journey in recovery and has only just started to admit that I don't want to say they've got a problem, but again, I don't know how to word it. Yeah, yeah. Um, has just started on that journey. They might not be as comfortable answering, but they know the answer. So it's hard yeah. to wager whether they can, whether you feel comfortable talking to them about it. One, but it's also you don't want to come across offensive by showing you try showing you care, but they're not ready for you to care yet. Yeah, yeah, and this sort of goes back to when we had the conversation the other day where he was like I'm sorry you know I enabled it I helped you but back then if you'd have tried to help by you know confronting me asking me why talking to my dad about it you know we would have fallen out we wouldn't be friends because that's not what I needed you for then yeah you know whereas now if I was really struggling and 
for some reason I didn't feel like I could reach out to whoever and you cottoned on if you turned around and came to my partner and said I think you know I think something's not quite right I in the long run would be like thank you yeah yeah and that's the difference of where I am can we take a pause a minute and you just actually explain to us what mental health illnesses that you suffer with and what eating disorders that you actually suffer with. Okay, yeah. So eating-wise, a lot of problems that people have with eating does come down to control. Mm-hmm. So for me personally, uh, there was something that happened that I didn't have control over. I didn't understand it. And so what I did without knowing because I was at such a young age took it out on food and that means I would have had everything plain just plain pasta nothing touching it um or you know something little like that and that carried on throughout my life and I didn't understand the initial problem so I continued to take out my food because I could control that yeah you know you don't know it if I'm lying if I go oh actually do you know what I'm not hungry but for me I'm like I am hungry. I don't need to eat yet. Yeah. I'll eat when I want to eat. You know, and the, the problem with that is in the end, you're not in control. In the end, it controls you. And does it become kind of like a bit of an obsession? 100%. Yeah. For me, it, it took over and I became really clever. And I say that almost like I'm boasting now because back then it was. I am really clever, I've sussed this. And it's sad now to think of that girl, that little girl, feeling like that because it's so shit, you know? Um, So for me, I used to hide food. I used to starve myself. Um, And let me, I've actually to write it all down because, you know. Before you get to that, I have a question. So... In regards to your food only, do you feel like you lost part of your childhood because you were so obsessed with food? Hmm. Um, if I'm honest, I don't remember a lot of it anyway. Okay. I don't remember a lot of things because of because I also have PTSD and sometimes that, that can happen. It can block out certain things, which I could get back one day. But yeah. for now, I don't remember a lot of things. Fair enough. Yeah, so I started with, you know, controlling my intake and outtake of food. It's really hard to get diagnosed with any kind of eating disorder because a lot of it is in the mind, okay? But they're not looking for that. They're looking for what it says on the scale and, you know, the things you can see. And it isn't, that isn't it. And that's what needs to be changed. Okay. So eventually, you know, anorexia, it was a bitch it caught with me um binge eating I did that a lot um I would restrict myself for as long as I possibly could then I would get angry with myself for allowing myself to let my mind win so then I would eat and eat and eat and I don't mean I'll have a packet of crisps and a biscuit I mean I will sit on the floor cry my eyes out I will eat like 12 bags until like not even chewing like I'm just throwing them in you know and it's awful and I'll get to the point where I'm physically gonna throw up if I if I do any more and then comes the guilt because I've then allowed myself to do that so then you throw up and it's a cycle and a lot of people think you can only have one but you can have tendencies of the other it wasn't until I moved 
from Portsmouth to Yorkshire that bulimia sort of kicked in because I was around family, a lot of family, a lot of the time. It became harder to, oh, I'm hungry. Oh, I ate earlier. No, you didn't because I was with you, you know. And those clever little tricks that I'd learned, I couldn't do anymore. So throwing up, you know, all that sort of thing, that became my new thing. One one behaviour can lead to another. It's a big cycle and it, it's ugly. And until you face it, you will just keep going around and around. So you had um, your first child quite young. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you still suffering with these eating disorders whilst you were pregnant? Yes, I know. I fell pregnant with mine when I was 15. Yeah. And I never wanted kids. I never thought I'd have kids because... Sorry, how old were you when you had him? I was 15 when I was pregnant, 16 when I had him. Why did I feel like you weren't that young? No, I was that young. I knew it was going to be an issue, but I knew my responsibilities had automatically changed. Yeah. If I was big enough to go out and get myself in that situation, I had to then become a mum instantly, do what a mother would do and look after, you know, the human growing. And it isn't that easy. It is not that easy at all because you are fighting with your mind constantly. And I was so small you know always so watching myself grow and I got big with Ryan yeah you did I cried every day like did your illness kind of take over and you didn't see I'm pregnant I'm carrying a baby did you just kind of have two mindsets whereas I'm pregnant I'm carrying a baby or I'm just getting fat I was getting fat for me I could not fathom the fact that I can lose it you know this happens it this isn't just you, it's happening to everyone who's having a baby. This is what's happening to them too. However, I did eat throughout my whole pregnancy. And yeah, it wasn't three meals a day. But it was a lot more than what I was eating prior to that. Can I ask a question? Mm-hmm. And um, I, don't, like, I don't mean anything bad by it, but I genuinely am curious that when you said it was control about food, when did it... Because you just then you said about you you were getting fat and it was making you uncomfortable. So when did your control from food become your control on body weight, or were they both the same thing? Just then, just at that time, because I'd always been so small. Naturally, I'm smaller built. Yeah. So it that was the first time that I'd ever been any other size really. So that was a whole other challenge. Um. I'd had Ryan, I'd put on over two stone, you know, for, throughout the pregnancy. And I remember straight away, they offer you toast in the hospital. And I'm like, nah. like, mum, Ryan said to you, I'm like, you need to eat that. And I remember not eating for a long time. And the first thing I had was plain spaghetti. Did it kind of, as soon as you'd had Ryan, it just instant snap back I need to start controlling it again it's not a matter of controlling after a certain amount of time because it's natural okay so it it felt weird to me eating that much yeah like still to me now like my partner will say to me I'm really proud of you now I don't like to mention it because I you know I don't want to bring it up but you're doing really well it was just me and Ryan for a long time and I knew that Ryan had to eat food that I wouldn't eat 
Yeah. So I, you know, on a week I would make spaghetti bolognese and then I would freeze some of it because he's just one little person. And then I would freeze it for the next week and, you know, so that he had proper meals. Whereas I'm there sitting eating like smiley faces and turkey dinosaurs. And my child was like, but I want to eat that. I want to eat that. And so from a young age, I've had to adjust to explain to him, not everyone can eat certain things. Can I ask, was it because you'd already been through it with Ryan, when you fell pregnant for the second time, were you not, I was going to say, were you ready? But I don't think anyone's ever ready for pregnancy. But I mean, were you like, okay, I've done it before. I know what I need to do this time to for me does that make sense and on the back of that question as well was it different because you were older and obviously I don't want to say more supportive but Ryan's dad obviously came back to Portsmouth if you were going through the pregnancy semi on your own even though you were in a relationship Colt was well no because Colt couldn't be there either because of the pandemic never mind carry on but emotionally he was there he was available he was there yeah yeah um for us obviously I was 15 where I was not planned for us it was a conversation you know because it's not just about my body changing mentally can I do this you know our daughter she was planned and it was a big a big change but I was ready for it yeah I knew that things weren't going to be easy and it turned out well actually it wasn't my weight that was the issue throughout my pregnancy it was other I had it in my mind that um she would be born and I would sort of hand her to her dad and I would want to be home with my son. And I, for, throughout my whole pregnancy, I had a mental health midwife along with two other midwives because I was so adamant that I wasn't going to have my daughter with me, that I was sort of carrying her for Colt. He was going to go home, parent her, and I was going to come home to my son. Quite interesting that you say a mental health midwife. I didn't know that was a thing. I didn't know there was a thing yeah so with Ryan because of my age I was so nervous to let anybody know that anything was wrong because I thought they'll just take him away they'll be waiting at the end of the labour ward you know and they'll take him from me they'll think I'm not capable I think that's like a natural feeling for any young mum though 100% because of any mum any age but I think it's heightened when you're younger Mm -hmm. yeah skip over the fact that you said you felt like you were just going to give birth and hand her to her dad and then you were going to go home to your son do you think um and I apologize if I'm out of turn here but do you think that was what started your postnatal depression um no because I was very lucky that as soon as she was born she was mine like you can leave if you want I'm here like these are my two kids can I just say she is fucking incredibly gorgeous like thank you so sorry carry on sorry no yeah so it was tough you know and I had to give consent to my midwife that if I wasn't doing good Colt could ring on my behalf almost to get me into this setting this placement setting where mothers have to go with their young babies so it was really scary um but it's terrifying. It's really lovely, like in in the sense of an outstander, yeah, bystander. It's lovely to know that there's places that and that there is somewhere that you could go. Like I don't think a lot of people know. Like we didn't know about the mental health midwife. Didn't know yeah. it was 
places. Well, actually, no, I did from EastEnders, but I didn't. That's drama, so yeah, you don't know the real life. Yeah, like it's yeah, just so yeah. And you know, I was really eager this time. I I knew going in, there's going to be challenges. They can see all my records. They know I've got issues. You know, and I decided I was going to get all the help I could get. I was going to do it right this time. But did you do that for you or did you do it so they didn't have a reason to take your kids? I did this for Ryan. I did this because I couldn't be carrying a child and not be okay because I still have him at home. He's still my number one priority. Yeah, in that, in that time, you know. How did you get that help though? Did was it because of your records? Because obviously, if someone's battling depression and eating disorder, anxiety, and feels they need the extra help during their pregnancy, but isn't on record to have those problems because they haven't spoken out before. Um. So when you was go... it offered to you automatically, or so it was offered to me, um, but. I don't know if you'll remember with Faye, when you go to your first midwife appointment, there's questions they ask. Um, and, it, you know, it came up. It depends how honest you are with them. They can't help you if you're not honest with them at the end of the day. And that is easier said than done. Yeah. But it is true. And they ask, you know, do you, are you medicated? Are you, do you suffer with this? That, and I'm like, yeah, take it all. Like, Did you carry on with your medication throughout your pregnancy? So I know me and I know I am better medicated. However, I also know if I continued with medication and something happened, even though it would have been completely, you know, irrelevant to me taking this medication, I would always put it on that and I would blame me. Yeah. So I was really, you know, I want I want to come off it. I'm not okay with this um after a lot of talks we took it right down to the minimum that I could be on and I was medicated for for a while but so I had my mental health midwife and she was like yeah you should take it you know because how's the baby going to do good if you're not doing good if you're stressed she's stressed you know and that is so true and that is so important however my other two my other two midwives weren't quite the same yeah um there was very much well you know because you take medication you might have to stay in with your baby because she could be born you know shaking 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 and have to withdraw and it made me feel like a dirty drug user okay yeah so I took myself off that is just that's so unfair for making you feel guilty about something that you need to live. Like you're not. I'd, is that's really pissed me off? <laughs> no, I, I it was so wrong at the time. Yeah. And I would say to them at a health midwife, and I would be like, "But they're making me feel like this, and you know." And and she's like, "Look, I can tell you, you don't have to stay in the hospital. She's like, you can discharge yourself, and they can't keep your baby because she's yours." Yeah, you know. But then you sort of think, oh, my God, but then they're going to think, I'm, you know, everything plays over in your mind. And Midwives that tell you you must breastfeed. Yeah. Breastfeeding is very important. No, honey, it's not. As long as my baby's fed, 
that's what's important mm-hmm. they're, they're definitely they're definitely those midwives i don't care what yeah. anyone says I'm, that's what they are <laughs> it was very much you know made me feel like i couldn't do that because i wasn't staying in the hospital for anybody unless something was wrong with her we were going home Fair. and we did we we came home <laughs> Let's go back to because obviously we got a bit sidetracked because I asked a question about one of your condition. Is it a condition? Is it an illness? One of them when you were pregnant with Ryan Mm -hmm. and Lib. Let's backtrack a little bit and go back to what else there is that you do suffer with. So you've said about eating, um, journey from anorexia and bulimia, and how it's linked back to your post post traumatic stress disorder. But we haven't really touched on like your depression or anxiety. You've mentioned that you're medicated for them. Are you like obviously you come off them for liberty? Are you back on them now? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that pretty much like an instant back on the medication or? See, it takes me a while. When I'm not on them, it takes me a right like oh my god, what is wrong? It takes me a while to realise. Oh, that's why I'm being a bitch. That's why I'm crying out the bill that you know and I cry at the bill it's fine I cry medicated on the bill but it's worse <laughs> when I'm, it's the intro but I'm like oh my god it's gonna go wrong people around me know the difference before I do and I can be stubborn and be like nah I don't want it but who's that helping no one you know, I completely understand that some people don't want to do that. They don't want to have medication control their life. But the thing is, and for so many years, I was like that. And I was so on and off them. But you have to realise is if you, I don't know, what's something you need medication for? Asthma. You'd use a pump, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, just because you know them things in your head. What are they called? Right. I don't have enough of them. Right. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> also, pheromone, pheromone. There's like little happy faces in your head and little yeah faces. Okay. What is it called? Now I know there is a word. Endorphins. But I don't have enough, you know, as most people, of the the happier ones. So all this medication is doing is releasing these things that makes me have happier ones. That's, a, that's the only way I can describe it. So it's like giving me an inhaler if I had asthma. Yeah. There's okay. no shame to it. If you can't breathe, I'm not judging you. If I can't go daily without my medication, don't judge me. If someone has athlete's foot and they've used athlete's foot cream... It's not a bad thing. No, because you said about we're using our analogies now. I'm just trying okay. to think how ridiculous it's like. When yeah. you say it like that, well, a person with asthma needs an inhaler to survive. I'm not saying with athlete's foot, you need athlete's foot cream. To yeah, but, but I think everyone would appreciate it if you used it. Does so that make sense? So, yeah. Just trying to Can refer you... back to that is so stupid. Yeah, yeah. It, they're the same, really. They're not that much different if you really think about it. yeah. That's very true. Mm-hmm. Can you honestly yeah. say that you take the medication for yourself, though? Is it for you? Or is it for those who are surrounding you? It's for me and my family. 
Yeah. Because... because I think that plays a massive deal in how the medication affects you as well. And I know it's more of like a placebo thing, but if you're only taking the medication for, say, a partner because they've said, oh, I need you to take this, otherwise it's not, like, it's over type thing. Maybe oh, I'd be like, extreme, bye then. But if you were taking it for someone else, I don't feel like it would work as well as if you wanted to take the medication. But that's the same with everything. That's like a therapy. If someone forced you into therapy... You're not going in there with the right, you know. You're not yeah. going to get anything from it. And that's the same with everything, mental health, anything. You have to do things for you. But for me, I'm a mum now, you know. I'm going to be someone's wife. I need to do these things for all of us. That felt good to say. I'm going to be someone's literally, wife. I wanted to say fair fucking play. But I thought I would literally be, like, dampening. No, no. How you worded that. So, worded that, that. I did that so fair fucking play Han fair fucking play and I think everyone will get to that point in their journey don't push yourself don't you know if you're not ready now we know that you were medicated post-lib and that was last year so where are you at now so I going back again I did therapy uh it changed my life Mary I love you like honestly I was one of these people who thought she's going to be doodling on that notepad she's going to be thinking what she's going to have for her dinner oh I couldn't be more wrong like I love her she changed my life and people could tell around me that things were different for me I can't relate to this because I've never been through any kind of therapy so I can't really relate to how you're feeling or when you were telling your story Amy I couldn't relate to how you were feeling so to those who haven't been through therapy does it you know the like the metaphor it's literally like a weight lifted off your shoulder is it literally like that yeah I wouldn't say at first but I guess it depends what you have having therapy for yeah because for me it had to get worse and ugly before that thing as well for a lot of it it does have to get ugly before it gets better but when it's when it gets better it's amazing I have a few friends that regularly they'll pay the 50 pound a month to go private to have it because it's the best thing ever Channing Tatum said as well like people should normalize going to therapy and talking about their problems i know quite a few people who don't actually suffer or i don't i'm not aware that they suffer with any kind of mental illness but go to therapy just because they need someone to talk to yeah Yeah. but that's like you ringing your mum your mum's your outlet some people don't have that or they don't feel comfortable sharing certain things with things and that's what that's their outlet that's how they can vent it out People will also use that as a preventative measure as well. Like they can see that something is not quite right, but they don't know what it is. So they'll go and talk to someone who may be able to help them pinpoint what it is that is bothering them or is causing them some disharm. Bless you. Yeah. And also an unbiased opinion. This person doesn't know you. They doesn't know the person you're slagging off or the person you're actually in love with or the person you're having an affair with. So their point of view right so we went back so you went through therapy and it was the best thing for you it was the best thing but um, at that time in my life I got out of it as much as I needed okay now after having liberty new things have arisen things that I didn't think I would ever have to face they have which is fine it's tough and it's gonna be the hardest thing I'll do but I have to do it. So has this just come about in the last couple of weeks? Yes. So I had an assessment um, last week, maybe the week before. And on Tuesday, I think it was, I had my first appointment. Okay. So now I'm going to be doing CBT. Um, which is... Is, cog- is that cognitive behavioural therapy? 
cognitive behavior cognitive behavior therapy yeah so i'm going to do high intensity of that um and they're basically going to try and unplug things i'm going to have to go into really dark places to change the way i feel about things or to understand the way i feel about things to move on do you are you scared at what place this is going to put you in terrified yeah 100 but I'm 25 now. I don't want to still be doing this the way I'm doing it when I'm 35, when I'm 45, when I've got grandkids. I have to do this now because if I don't, it's going to affect the way I parent my kids, the way I bring up my daughter, the way I educate my son on things. If I don't do this now, I'm going to be that mum. The kid's going to be climbing out the window because I don't let her breathe. I don't let her do anything thing herself she's got to make mistakes ryan's got to make mistakes i have to let them are and i won't scared, sorry are you scared um liberty more because obviously she is a girl that mm. she will follow in your footsteps no not at, not all. at all nope is there no. a reason why you're so adamant that that won't happen i am not my mother and i say no 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 i don't say that in a way that my mom's not a good mom i parent my kids very different do you feel like because you've been a child in the situation that now you know how to kind of yeah do you know what I mean like you've been there now you can do it and you in an awful way I don't mean any disrespect to your mum but no no made the mistakes and you're now learning from them yeah I won't find a bag of food and act like it's nothing if I'm finding a bag of food girl we're talking about it we will cry we will do all of it you can relate to it as well so it's not something that you don't know anything about because you've been there also in my home it's gonna it's gonna be a conversation it's not gonna be a thing that none of us know about just the same as if someone is an amputee you know you're aware of it you get it sometimes it might be a bit of an elephant in the room but we're aware of it and that's how mental health is going to be in my home I love that I think that's brilliant. Not in like a patronising way. Like, way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I genuinely, I think that is brilliant. Fair play. Like, I think everybody should have mindsets like that. And unfortunately, because it is still such a taboo subject, people won't. And that makes me sad. Yeah. And it's rubbish. But I think the main reason I wanted to do this type of episode is because I want to make it very clear that invite your friend. Invite, you, you know, make the phone call. Yeah, they probably don't want to talk. But you've made the effort and that's what makes the difference to them. Yeah. Even if you know they're not going to say yes or they're going to cancel last minute, do it. Invite. <laughs> I'm really, really lucky because, I mean, I moved from Portsmouth to Yorkshire and I still have the best friends that I had when I was, you know, there. And we which still is talk rare all the time. Even, which is rare even, like, at our age to still have the best friends that you had when you were in school. Mm -hmm. yeah definitely but I mean I'm very grateful in the fact that I've always kept my circle quite small I have a lot of friends no I don't that's a lie I have a lot of mates I don't have a lot of friends yeah friends I do have can read me inside out I have nothing that I can't be like if you know if Abby says something I'm like nah not today quality not quantity and you need to be able to have that with your friends where you can go look you can call them out on shit you can say actually hang on or I just don't want to talk today I think for me other people aren't like that (laughs) I think for me I'm very naive in the fact that yes I've had postnatal depression but it wasn't to the it wasn't to a really really bad extent I spoke to my health visitor about it I was fine within a couple of weeks probably wasn't that quick but you know what I mean so I'm very naive in the fact that well naive and lucky in the fact that I've never really struggled with a battle like that I don't think naive's a word because you went through it everyone goes through it differently there's no right or wrong way 
to have depression, you know? That's literally like saying, oh my God, Jodie is happy. I possibly cannot be happier than her because something more amazing has happened in her life. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I know. And it's quite, I do it to myself all the time. Like if I'm going through something, I'll be like, but that person's going through something worse. I, I, I think you said to me, Amy, but everyone's struggle is the worst struggle. Oh yeah. my God, yeah. Everyone, everyone's struggles are different and you feel your emotions differently to other people. And that is okay. Like that, that is completely normal and that is fine. And I think it's healthy to feel your feelings even on a higher level than other people or how, what you perceive may be a higher level. Anyway, yeah. I think Abby's problem is, is she's quite hard faith. She doesn't want you to know if yeah. she's suffering until she gets to the point where it's like, do I do? I'm at my end with this, you know? Yeah. Otherwise, she's quite hard faced, isn't she, in the way that she doesn't want I'll you to know something's wrong. Humour. That's mm. my God, same. Yeah, I'm the same. When I'm at work, I'm at work. It's very, very rare that i'm upset or anything i'm very happy at work but then like that's not my real life i know it sounds weird but that i'm there to do a job to get paid but when i'm not at work i can really feel my feelings mm-hmm. I think yeah that, that's healthy like being able to but even with that i can't um depart de- department what's the word department no now you've made me forget <laughs> compartment decompartmentalize yeah no, we'll go with that one i feel like I that's like do that with my feelings so i'm like jody said i'm funny i'm funny i'm funny i never down. said you were funny let me just let, let me put that out there what you did you say? i said you are hard face you said no. funny. yeah that's funny. what i'm saying but i'm saying that like, i'm i hide my feelings with humor and then yeah. like last Saturday for instance we were men and record we didn't because I was the whole week really struggling and then on Saturday it just hit me and then like after we finished recording Amy rang me and I just burst out in tears it was that simple are you like are you really okay and she was like no I'm not and that was it but I knew that that would happen but I knew that it needed to happen yeah I mean like sometimes you just need someone to go actually are you all right and that's fine that's normal and I don't feel like that happens enough. And I th- think with mental health, social media does play a massive part into it. And I think we've said it before at, at some point in one of our episodes. Yeah. Because you, on social media, you portray that you're perfect, you're happy. Like, this is my life. Oh, look at my lounge. Isn't it beautiful? Oh, look at my daughter. Isn't she amazing? Oh, yeah. look at my newborn baby. But you, behind the scenes, you don't see the nipple leakage. You don't see that, oh, my God, I hate my body. And you don't see that I'm not getting any fucking sleep yeah you just see oh my god look at that perfect baby and I think that's a lot of people especially young people these days compare themselves to a false representation of your life lip fillers boob jobs they're having I've had my eyebrows tied in before lols and like it now cheers covid but so in the same situation she's literally got a little bit of brow hair and then like you've drawn them on though oh yeah I've drawn them on the <laughs> Did you have them tattooed? Yeah, but they should have been gone. Like, they should have faded about two years ago. But she went too deep in with a needle. So they're literally stuck to her face. I have one little tiny bit here, but when they're all, like, done and, you know, when they've been pruned, um, I have one little tiny bit there, just... And it's on a bold bit, so... Oh, I'll show you mine, because they are horrific. They are something else. Like, I shouldn't... No. But social media is the reason why we're doing shit like that. Hundred percent. I mean, I did it to try and help a friend out, but now she works in a hospital, so. Oh. <laughs> yeah. 
and I think coping mechanism wise people find different things so my coping mechanism is to literally hide everything from everyone yeah I'd rather have a breakdown on my own in the bath than see let someone see me cry and I, I think I learned that from my mum sorry mum if you well you will be listening to this sorry but your mum. mum is so strong like yeah but she's not no but for us growing up your mum was always the, the one who had her shit together you know someone went wrong your mum could fix it Oh, yeah, that woman for me, 100%. 100%, Yeah, but like it's so mum goes through her own struggles, but she won't cry in front of me still. I'm 25 years old, but I'm her baby, so she will not cry in front of me. So she'd rather like listen to my shit and then go home and cry on her own, and that breaks my heart. I'd rather her just do it in front of me, but I know I'm going to be the same in front of Faye because if I cry in front of Faye, I feel so guilty. Yeah, I'm not that mum, I can't be because I just I'm like a tap. I'm just crying all the time. Like, Ryan sees me. Ryan is such a cutie. Like, if he knows I'm sad. He knows because we're so close. It was just so long that it's hard to hide things like that from him. Yeah. And he knows. And he'll come and he'll kiss me on my head. And he'll ask me if I'm okay. And I'll go, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. He's like, okay. And then he'll draw me something, you know, to make sure I'm okay. And I also want it to be so normal for him definitely to cry be sad it's fine you know Faye's the same in a sense obviously she's she's four years nearly five years younger than Ryan Mm -hmm. but if I do cry in front of her she copies what I do when I'm consoling her so she'll come over to me she'll stroke my face she'll rub under my chin and she'll be like mummy it's okay she'll go let your emotions out mummy it's okay and she'll just give me a kiss and she'll be like are you done cuddling now because I want to go back and play that's you (laughs) yeah I'll be done with this cuddle yeah exactly she learned well obviously I'm not fate I'm done cuddling but obviously it, she learns it from me but I, yeah. d- I, I don't know if that's going to hit like from me I don't know if that's going to hinder her not releasing her emotions I mean she is like really bloody emotional child but do you know what I mean like growing up I definitely don't think it would hinder her emotions she is she will let you know how she yeah. is feeling I can tell you that I'll just tell you she she doesn't hold back that girl uh earlier we were on facetime together right we were having the time of life i was bonding with my goddaughter also i thought and she was like i'm done now and she just hung up on her just hung up birthday you sent me a video and you'd practice like for her to sing happy birthday to me and you were like happy birthday Amy. and she was like mm-hmm. yeah birthday it's not my birthday <laughs> so yeah that's literally it She's amazing though. So, so about her hair, and she's just like, she's just. What did I say to her? Oh, you said I like your dress, and she went, Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I, I drew a picture, and I said to her, "You oh can lie, God. by the way, Faye." I said, "You can pretend it's all right, so that you don't hurt my feelings." Mm, yeah, mine is better though. Because <laughs> they were having a cute little like godmother goddaughter bonding session over over facetime because obviously we've not managed to see them in like two years so they were having a cute little session over facetime and jodie they were both drawing one of Faye's barbies and like obviously jodie's doing it via facetime which can't actually see this barbie i love that you're still trying to make that the reason why it was a bad drawing (laughs) no but you made the dress really like the body was really square and Faye looked at it and she went well chester doesn't know like that She's not wrong. She's just so me through and through. Like, she is brutal. But she just hasn't learned what a filter is yet. <laughs> oh, definitely not. 
Yeah. Definitely not. Before we bring this to an end then, Jade, is there anything else, any message you want to get out to anyone that's listening to this that may be struggling or any anything else you wanted to add? Anything you feel you've feel you've missed about your journey? I think the thing I would want people to take away is if you're struggling, think of the person you love the most and put them in your shoes. And how would you want to treat them? Or what would you want to say to them to make it better for them? Because that's what they all want to do for you. Even though you don't want to hurt them, you don't want to pester them with your problems, they want to be there for you. Sometimes you just have to let them. That's such a brilliant way of looking at it, though. 100%. It made me a little bit emotional. I know, I saw your face, I laughed at it. (laughs) See what I mean? What is wrong with her? Mum, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm bad. I know. You're just a dick. It's alright. <laughs> Mega dick. Mega dick. So I think thank you for coming on, Jodie, and thank you for answering all of our questions and being very opaque with everything. Is that the right word? Isn't opaque? Isn't that a nail polish? No, transparent with That's everything. Huh? <laughs> she went. Isn't that a nail polish? That's OPI. <laughs> oh but being transparent with everything we very much appreciate it and have enjoyed having you on thank you i just hope i haven't offended anyone in the way i've said things i think what everyone also just needs to take from this is obviously it is your journey it's Mm -hmm. how you've coped with it it's not how sally down the road will cope with it if she's going through something similar i think speaking about the way you're dealing with your mental health illnesses or your eating disorders is very personal but it may awaken someone to think actually maybe i do need to seek some help if that makes sense yeah and there is so much available so wherever you are like you can reach out there's so much out there now amy do you have anything to say um just thank you thank you for coming on and talking to us about things that are personal just just want to say thanks did you hear that no what was it that's fine because dave just sneezed the loudest fucking sneeze and it's kind of like he did it from upstairs and he's downstairs cute (laughs) well thank you very much jade love you love you bye bye also guys if any of you are struggling and you don't feel that you can reach out to your friends or family please know that there are a lot of numbers and helplines that you can ring so that here is a few this one is called mind and the number is 03001233393 another one that you can contact is the samaritans on 116123 you can call them free day or night, 365 days of the, of the year. If you have no way of contacting them via mobile, um, they do have a website. You're never alone. And if there's anything that we can do to help, pop us a message too. If you need immediate help and you're in an emergency, please call 999 or go to your local a department. And if you're in crisis and need someone to talk to, call NHS 111 as well. Yeah. <laughs>